Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. and English is my second language. Most of you know this. You know it because every so often I pronounce things kind of funny. Uh, But did you know I actually really struggle with uh, American idioms? Anybody struggle with idioms? Some of you are like, what's an idiom? (laughs) So an idiom is a a group of words or phrase that's coined together uh, by a group of people in a region or maybe people who have common interests And they come up with these sayings that only they understand the meaning to. And when you look at the idioms, you you may think you know what they mean, but you actually don't. And if you're a foreigner to a group, like scientists have idioms, and artists have idioms, and Americans have idioms, Puerto Ricans have idioms, and even Christians have idioms. We have our little sayings, like inside a language, uh, that we know. Nobody else knows what they mean. And I actually really struggle with those, some of them. I use improperly because I just don't understand them. My husband's always having fun with me. Um, for example, don't put all your eggs in one basket. To which I say, why not? I mean, when I grew up, we went and collected eggs from the chickens. I brought one basket. I didn't bring a whole bunch of baskets. That's what every... Okay, I see you don't get... Oh, you're not with me. All right, whatever. Okay, here's another one. Hit the nail on the head. Where else would you hit it? It's just, I don't get that one. Some of them are absolutely impossible to understand unless someone tells you, like, beat around the bush, cut the mustard, a drop at the drop of a hat, or bought the farm, which has nothing to do with purchasing land, by the way. It refers to dying. What? And then I, I often say them incorrectly, so I, I mean, I'm always letting people know I'm a foreigner. Uh, for example, uh, a penny for your thoughts. It's very common for me to say, a cent for your thoughts. And people look at me funny, or my husband quickly corrects me, and I'm like, what's the problem? It means the same thing. Penny, cent. Ah, I see. All of you are really good at idioms, aren't you? The few of us who struggle with idioms are like, yes, sister, amen. I don't know what these people are talking about. You know, a lot of idioms are hard to understand, but some are not. Some are very clear, to me at least. For example, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? That one's totally simple. I get it. In fact, just in case, though, I didn't have it right, I consulted the great wizard Wikipedia to make sure I understood this idiom. And it says that um, it refers to a 19th century practice of American bars of serving a free lunch, ham, cheese, salty crackers, so that the patrons who'd come in would be like so overwhelmed by the salty food that was free, they would buy more beer. So by the end of the outing, there is no such thing as a free lunch. And if that was happening today, uh, we would also have a ticket, DUI ticket possibly. And so we kind of get that, right? Some of them are very simple. Some idioms are very profound. They have deep meaning. And so I don't know if you know this one, freedom is not free. That's actually an American idiom. 
In fact, it is um, engraved on a portion of the Korean War Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C. Uh, retired uh, U.S. Air Force Colonel Walter Hitchcock is credited for this idiom, and it's meant to express gratitude for the freedoms we enjoy because others have sacrificed for us. It's a term of respect for those who have given their very lives to protect our freedom. And so they remind us with this idiom, freedom is not free. And so to military people, people who have served in the Air Force, in the forces, or have our veterans, this isn't just an idiom, right? It's truth to them. And nothing bothers a veteran more or pains them more when they see people deny or uh, disrespect or forget the sacrifices that have been made for their freedom. When they see other Americans behaving as though their freedom was free, no, it's not. It's costly. And I, I didn't any veterans in the house. Do, is that truth? Do you agree with me? Right. It's painful. You have sacrificed a great deal, and you want people to, at minimum, recognize that and not forget that. In the same way, God is pained when we as Christians, Christ followers, do not live or remember or uh, embrace the true freedom that has been bought for us. Our freedom was bought at the highest cost of all. And it hurts God when he sees us not living in it. Now listen, I am just as guilty as anyone. Before you think this is a guilt trip, shame kind of sermon, it's not. We're in this together. I'll tell you how I tend to forget the freedom that was bought for me. I forget sometimes that I have been given freedom through grace. And the way that I do that is I start to perform, you know, to take things in my own hands, to try to please God. Look at God, I'm doing good. Look, how, look what I'm doing. And I start to behave as though somehow God's favor, his love is dependent on something that I do. Sometimes it's obvious I have forgotten that I am free when I forget that God has given me an enormous amount of blessing and I'm not quite so generous or I take it for granted. Or I sometimes forget that I am free through God's love because I'm not so loving to others and I forget to stand on that freedom. And every single Sunday, Here's my confession moment. Every Sunday, before I come to preach the word of God, I always say Saturday night for sure, I'm having a total panic attack because somehow I think what happens here on Sunday morning, it's all on me. And I forget the freedom I've been given that it is really God who you come to hear from, not Inez. It is really God who's going to teach and do something here, not Inez, and that I'm not here on my own power. I constantly forget the freedom that God has given to me. And I'm wondering, do you struggle with that? In what way do you forget about the freedom that has been purchased for you? What things tend to like, cause you to kind of sometimes even deny that you've been given that freedom? We all do it, right? We all do. It's a type of spiritual forgetfulness that we all struggle with. 
You know, next week, we're going to start a new series on the letter written by Paul to the Galatians. And if you read that letter, it's a passionate letter written by Paul to the churches in Asia Minor, whom he had brought the good news of the freedom through Christ. But somehow they had forgotten. Somehow they were back in slavery. They were trying to go back into some form of slavery and oppression. And Paul's like, no, have you forgotten? The whole letter is this great reminder of our freedom. And we're in between series right now, right? We just finished a whole series on financial freedom. We started Financial Peace University. Many of us, thousands of us, looking to see what does the Word of God tell us about the freedom we're supposed to have with regard to our money. But now we're headed to a greater freedom, freedom that goes into every area of our lives that affects everything, everything that we do. And so we're in this, like, Midpoint, and I want us to kind of look back first at when Paul went to Galatia for the first time. In Acts chapter 13, we read of the time when Paul was sent to Galatia to bring them the good news and tell them about this freedom that was there purchased at the highest cost possible. So we're going to take a a look at that first. So if you have your Bible, go to Acts chapter 13. And the reason I want us to do this is because we might get to Galatians, and this is not uncommon. Well, people read Galatians and go, okay, this was written to a certain people in a certain time. They were dealing with circumcision, and we're not dealing with that. doesn't apply to me. It's, it's easy to possibly look at that letter and not understand what it's going to teach us. The theme that we want to catch starting today all the way through that series is that it is easy for us to forget that we have freedom. It's, it was easy for them. It's easy for us. So we begin this journey today to remember the freedom that we have been given and the price that was paid for it. So we will stand firm in it, okay? So go with your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 13. And you know, this is how the chapter starts. Paul and Barnabas are in a group of, a meeting with a group of prophets and leaders of the church, and they're praying and worshiping and fasting. And in this prayer time, they make the decision, the Holy Spirit calls on them to send Barnabas and Paul to Asia Minor, to all the churches in Galatia, actually all the synagogues at the time, and to preach the good news. So in verse chapter, in the chapter, verse 2 of chapter 13, it says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And you know, when you read in scripture, especially in the book of Acts, every time people were sent, they were sent to encourage and strengthen and support the churches. But this mission was different. Paul and Barnabas were empowered with the mission of bringing the good news to the people in Asia Minor. So this is the first time Paul goes to do so. In this area, we have Jews and Gentiles ready to hear the good news. So Paul and Barnabas set off on their journey. And uh, right here in chapter 13, we have Paul's full sermon documented. 
Now, it's not the first time that Paul had preached before, but it is the first time his sermon is fully documented, and it is the first time he preached to the Galatians. So I, I want you to have a little imagination. I might, like, lower my voice for a second here. And imagine Paul coming to here to this church, and he's preaching this sermon to you and to me. And so I'm going to read the entire sermon. Don't fall asleep on me, all right? Would you fall asleep on Paul? I didn't think so. So I'm going to read the whole sermon so you could hear the message that he brought the people in Galatia, okay? So we start in verse chapter 16. Standing up, Paul motioned his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. Pay attention, pay attention. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt, and with mighty power, he led them out of that country. For about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness, and he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You notice Paul is doing this whole Old Testament, New Testament journey. He's giving them the whole story, the whole picture. Verse 23, from this man's descendant, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John prepared the entrance and the baptism to all the people of Israel. He preached repentance. And John was completing his work. He said, who do you suppose that I am? I am not the one you're looking for. I am, that there is one coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him on a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, to which we say, hallelujah, right? And for many days, he was sent by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son. Today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Now when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep, which is another word for he died, by the way. 
He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. And as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue after this sermon, the people invited them to speak more further about these things on the next Sabbath. So when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts of Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. What a sermon. From Old Testament to New Testament, the good news of the gospel is preached through Paul. He points to Jesus again and again. He points to the fact that Jesus is the freedom fighter people were waiting for. When Jesus was at the synagogue himself, he picked up a scroll and he read these words about himself. He said, in Luke uh, records them, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. This is what Jesus came to do, and Paul points to it. He tells us that the promise of our freedom is fulfilled in Jesus. He tells us that the everlasting nature of our freedom is not freedom for a day, freedom for an hour, freedom for a Sunday. The everlasting nature of freedom is like the everlasting nature of Jesus Christ who will never die. He tells us that the treasure of freedom is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, that believing in him is what sets us free. And we can take this whole sermon and put it in one line which Jesus himself spoke. In John chapter 8, if you have your Bible, I would recommend you go there, highlight it, underline it, mark this, because you and I need to live by this truth. It says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Would you read that with me? If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's do that one more time. You're not like sure yet. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It is Jesus who sets us free, who declares that we are a free people through his grace. And therefore, because he says so, we are free. Now, I get it. The English word free is terribly overused. And so we hear these words and there's a little skepticism that picks up, right? Some of you are like, oh, I don't know about this. Because everywhere we see this is free and that is free, one more free, to get it for free. We're seeing this everywhere. We know better, right? Like free shipping. Is it really free? Now, you know, some of you have been hit by that. Or like um, uh, the free checking account, which, you know, you have to have a certain limit or write so many checks. And if you don't, you get hit with a big fee. It ain't free. Or, or a free breakfast at a hotel. Everybody has paid for that breakfast, I hate to tell you. It's in every hotel room charge. 
Things that seem to be free aren't really free, so we're a little like, we don't believe things when we hear something is free. But what we have to remember, and what Paul is telling us, is that our spiritual freedom was not free. It costs greatly. It costs God his son. It costs Jesus everything. It's free to us, yes. It is a gift, yes. It's a treasure, but make no mistake, it is a valuable, valuable freedom. And so it makes no sense that we would forget this freedom. And you know, you think, Paul just gave this amazing sermon to the Galatians. Many of them believe the word of God spread throughout the region. And you think, they would never forget, right? Oh, but we read the next thing. You know what we'll find out? A week later, one week, that's all it took, Sunday to Sunday. How many of you, like, come to church, hear a sermon? By the following Sunday, you don't even remember what was preached the prior, prior Sunday. This is what happens to these people. They, had, they forgot because we get to the next Sunday, the next Sabbath for them. And Paul comes back, and we read that on that Sabbath, the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord, but th- there's a problem. You see some Jewish leaders stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and so they were expelled from the area. So all those people who believed suddenly were poisoned by the lies of others, and they started to like, well, I don't know, am I really free? Is this really true? And they persecuted Paul. So he goes to the next city, he and uh, Barnabas do, and this same thing happens there. He goes now to Iconium where he preaches the same sermon. Many believe, many come to the Lord, and then in little time we find out that the Jews stir up another issue again, and they poison the minds of brothers and sisters. That means people who believe suddenly we're not believing. We're not standing in their freedom. And here we're told that they made a plot to stone them. We're told in chapter 14 to stone them and mistreat them. So they find out about it and they take off. Now they go to the next city. Same thing happens all over again. Again, Paul preaches the sermon. Many believe. And now, now the persecution gets even tougher because all those people in the other towns, who are not so happy with Paul and Barnabas, they show up at this town and they stone him. We're told in verse 19, chapter 14, that uh, although they won many of the crowd, the Jews came and they dragged Paul outside the city and they stoned him. They thought he was dead. It was that bad. You see, Paul nearly died just in Galatia to preach the good news of the freedom that comes through Christ. Obviously, Jesus gave it all. Paul gave it all. And you know, since we're on the football day, let's talk a little bit about football because, I don't know, there's two teams, and I think one is the Patriots. You've got to show you how little I know about football. Patriots, what's the other team? Falcons. We all know about football, right? You've got a team whose object is to get the ball to the other end and make the score, and if they don't, they actually then start going the other way against their enemy to keep their other side from scoring, right? Does the game end there? No, they go back to try to score again. And we sit there eating chips and chicken and eating all kinds of stuff, watching them go back and forth, back and forth, not giving up until a team wins. 
This is the same journey we see Paul doing. In fact, when you read chapter 14, Paul goes back to those very cities. He goes back and tries to win more for Christ. He doesn't give up. He fights the enemies. They beat him up. He goes back. He doesn't give up. And you see the picture that I see there is that how many of us kind of give up pretty quickly? How many of us give it one good try, and if it didn't work, we're like, well, that was that. I tried. I guess I'm not really free. And so I am so inspired by Paul and Barnabas for their endurance, for their dedication, for their willingness to go back again and again to bring the good news to the people. And do you know why I think it mattered to them that much? Because they understood the price of freedom. They understood the promises of those freedoms. And they wanted those freedoms for others. They wanted others to be free as well. They saw many people oppressed and burdened by the lies of the enemy, by the desire to take it things in our own hand, to try to do more, be more, all that just oppressing us further and further, and they wanted to bring freedom. It was worth fighting and giving everything to bring the Galatians freedom. And that's how much God loves you and me. I love what May said this morning. You're to die for. Jesus gave it all. Paul gave it all. Barnabas gave it all. All the apostles. So many people throughout history who have given their very lives for this freedom. How could we not stand on that freedom? I am convinced, as I was praying, preparing this morning, I'm convinced, you know, you all look pretty nice, put together. I know I do too, right? But some of us, Many of us, possibly all of us, in our hearts, we're bent over. In our hearts, we've got a shackle or some sort of chain. In our hearts, we've got some weight that we're carrying, and our hearts are all distorted under this oppression of the enemy. Because how many times do you hear the lie of the enemy that you are not free? How many times do you hear that you can't change anything? You can't deal with this situation. You can't persevere. Well, this and those are all lies. And today, this day is a good day, if any day, to begin to stand in your freedom. But we have to bring some destruction to the lies of the enemy. Are you ready to bring some destruction to the lies of the enemy? Because here's what I believe. There is no way, no way impossible for us to bring the freedom that comes through the gospel if we are not free ourselves. We cannot go someplace we haven't been ourselves. We cannot take someone else. And listen, we, are been, we have been made free to bring others to freedom. And so we, it begins here. It begins with us. We begin this journey ourselves. So would you stand with me? Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.